0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952.
0: For pro football, that's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't We play some competitive sports
1: once in a while. Wouldn't. Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, we got that half right. It is Football Sunday. There is no Mike today. He is in denver i believe he went to denver for the first time ever so he's going to go get a chance to uh see his beloved Broncos stadium your beloved Broncos stadium that's so fun driving by that thing yeah that's that's it denver's a super super cool city too i mean yeah. if you've never if you've never actually been there everybody thinks it's just full of you know snow and everything and it, it does get cold you know at points but man denver is super green uh A whole lot to do man it's actually one of the more underrated cities because i think people typically think of the the bigger ones and rightfully so but denver is super super cool so hopefully lynch is having a good time so we'll try to hold it down here in the studio Uh, it's just me and jesse so we're going to talk some football there was a couple big games last week we'll get to those later one of those teams you know just happens to be one of these hosts favorite team and kind of said it would happen everybody said i was crazy but it's cool We'll go ahead and get there later. I'll let you go ahead and imagine uh, exactly what team uh, we root for. But, Jesse, you weren't here last week. So, uh, Preston Highfield stepped in uh, for you. Had a good a little show. But, yeah, yeah welcome back,
2: bud. All right. Why, thank you. Um, I was sad not to be here and to give my prediction of the New England Patriots and the Rams in the Super Bowl. So, That's feeling pretty so. good about that. Now, once again, I did put money on the Rams back in June. So, Got, got a little bit of money coming my way when they beat your Patriots next week.
1: Oh, well, I didn't put any money down on the Patriots. You know, people are tired of doing that because, you know, for the most part, they're going to win. But uh, I did have a, a nice conversation last year with all the con- uh, controversy with Belichick and Brady and the Guerrero situation. Uh, a coworker of mine was like, man, it's over. It, this, this, you guys will never get back there and just kind of kiss that goodbye. But. You know, yet and still here, here we are. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Just man, how the hell just the Patriots continue to do this? You know, Plastering every it together year. every it's, year. It's so strange. Like many teams can't say this, so we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later. You know, we got we got a pretty good show for you. Now we're at that point in the season to where this is the last of two football Sundays. One we have one more, and which is next week, which is for the Super Bowl. Uh, so this is actually you know part one of two of the. Uh, the outro for Football Sunday, which is always sad to see go.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, because I mean, I'm a football junkie, so after this, you know, um, I'll definitely probably be less involved with the show because I'm less involved with sports in general. I'm, I'm not quite as plugged in with basketball, not quite as plugged in with baseball, admittedly. But uh, I mean, well, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna be kind of uh, now. I'm, I am looking forward to the – what is it the AAF coming. Yes. here in a couple months so yes.
1: well the the good thing about the hoop season is by the time it gets here it's pretty much the all-star break so now you're going to start seeing at least competitive basketball and guys that's not filling each other out so that's the good thing about going back to sports we'll we'll get to talk some tiger you know that, that that's mm-hmm. going to be good especially mm-hmm. if he's mm-hmm. playing even remotely well this year. And then, you know, the NFL never goes away. So we're going to be talking draft. We're going to be talking free agency. We're going to be talking all those things anyway. So it doesn't really matter. There's somebody that's going to get fired again, you know, in the next couple of weeks. So we're, we're just going to continue talking about it. So the NFL, it's kind of dominates the news cycle. So you'll be okay. You'll be able to put in your two cents uh, all the time. But uh, I want to talk about something. So last night, man, uh, I got a chance to do something pretty cool. I was the host of uh, something called Flight 126, which was a – Uh, A private event, you know, at a place called Flight Lounge, which was, you know, really cool. It was a poetry night, and uh, had a couple of really great Portland artists come out and able to uh, share some of their poetry or share some of their music and stuff like that, so uh, it was super cool. Shout out to my girl, Leah Flynn, who really helped uh, put that thing together, but you know, people always say there's nothing to do here in Portland and things are so boring. But that was one of those things that was uh, kind of kind of chill, and it was 420 friendly for a lot of people that are that are into that. So that was definitely something that was uh, that was fun for a lot of folks. So uh, want want to put that out there because that was actually a lot more fun than uh, I kind of imagined. You go to events like you know that pretty often, yeah, Jesse? Uh, when I can, industry yeah, industry events as um, they're called.
2: Yeah, I, I, when I can go to industry events, I can um, for sure. I like to go to the conferences um get connected there um uh the the lounges are one of those new interesting things that um i i think are fun popping up uh you know it's it's kind of one of those things where people are trying to figure out how to get connected with them because they are private
1: no yeah so it was was private but it was it was actually a, a super super chill event so a lot of local stuff going on and there's also a lot of local stuff going on in the uh the super bowl right now as in uh there's a few guys from the state of Oregon, you know, as far as playing here, possibly growing up here, that actually are about to have an opportunity to win their, in some cases, first Super Bowl. In most cases, their first Super Bowl. So, uh, Oregon State has uh, Johnny Munt, right? That's that's Oregon. Oregon, excuse me. Oregon has Johnny Munt. Uh, Patrick Chung, of course, will be going for his, what, third Super a Bowl ring, I think, you know, like, at yeah. this point. Uh, and Troy Hill. Mm-hmm. All Oregon Ducks. You know, Troy Hill, of course, plays uh, for the Rams. He doesn't get much burn, does he? No, does he he, he's, he's kind of like teams guy.
2: special teams guy. He's got like 30 tackles on the season, but he's in there. No, State well,
1: you know, that's a good thing. And then, you know, of course, Brandon Cook's playing in his second straight Super Bowl, which people kind of forget that he played for the Patriots last year and, you know, had an opportunity to win the Super Bowl there. So this is Brandon Cook's second straight Super Bowl. And then, of course, local kid, you know. From my alma mater, the Ulysses S. Grant High School and Dominican Sue with his opportunity to win his man elusive, we can call that. We can that's what we can say at this point elusive Super Bowl trophy. Dominican's been in the league now what for? Close to 10 years. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, he's probably look. Well, that he's up at that point
2: where he's signing signing the veteran deal. A uh, veteran deal to 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 try to get one. You yeah. know, and we were kind of talking about that before about how the Rams starting to make moves that are reminding them, reminding you of the team that they're playing this coming week. Uh, building blocks are there for the success for years to come, especially when you're already getting guys that are wanting to come there to win on just a one-year deal that they have that opportunity at a place like LA.
1: Yeah. They're kind of creating a little bit of a culture and we'll talk uh, a little bit about that uh, a little bit later on, but Sean McVay, uh, making it, you know, open. Hey, man, we want you guys to come play here. We don't care about your problems. We don't care about, you know, the things you got going. Well, for the most part, as far as how you're perceived, like we want you to come here and win Super Bowls. You know, you look at a lot of the guys on the, that Rams team, you know, you could see there's some combustible elements there. You know, Tali, uh, Akeem Tlaib, uh, uh, Marcus Peters, uh, and Sue. There are some guys there that, you know, Brandon Cooks has been known to be kind of a, a diva, you know, for the Saints and also for the Patriots. So you got a lot of guys there that have some massive egos, and yet and still this young McVay has been able to kind of keep them together. So we're going to talk about the genius of Sean McVay and West Coast bias a little later on. Also, you know, how pissed should the Rams be? You know, there there's there's a lot happening for them this week. Should they be over it at this point? I think we all kind of go through bad sporting things, uh, sporting times. But really, do they should they still be pissed? We'll talk about that. The Patriots, Tom Brady, how, how do they continue to do that? We're going to talk about that at 9.30. We're going to also go over some NFL news and notes, some takeaways from the season, see what you guys kind of thought. Jesse and I will talk about uh, who are the guys that should probably finish second in a lot of these awards because I think we know where a lot of them are going Uh, at 10 o'clock. We're going to talk about everybody's new favorite player. And that's Patrick Mahomes and the nearly perfect season that he, that he almost had Uh, again at 1015. We're going to talk West coast bias and that's going to be Sean McVay and the Rams. And it looks like things are kind of shaping up for them to be the new Patriots. And that's all coming
2: up uh, pretty soon. But uh, how excited are you for this super bowl,
1: Jesse? Like, is this a pretty good matchup for you?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited. One, um, like I said, I've been rooting for the Rams all season long outside of the Denver Broncos, just kind of um, – there's a lot of Denver connections there, especially one with that late addition of C.J. Anderson. Um, you know, uh, Akib Talib was a big part of our Super Bowl 50 run. Wade Phillips, obviously instrumental in that. So just uh, a lot of parts that kind of moved from that Super Bowl 50 onto this uh, Rams team that kind of amped up my my excitement for for L.A., Um, you
1: LA man, hold on, man. I love LA, but right now, screw you LA. Like we are, have been dying for a professional team. We're scratching tooth and nail to get a baseball team to come to Portland right now. And you got two NFL franchises, both of which are incredibly competitive, man. The chargers are, if they don't have to play the Patriots, who knows? They may be playing in the AFC championship game. We don't know that probably not but you got two competitive franchises in your in your city now, along with the two f- uh, basketball franchises, along with the two baseball franchises that you have. I mean, come on. Can somebody else get some love? Like, I, I get it. L.A. right now is filling themselves, and, and why not? Oh, and they got LeBron. <laughs> I forgot about that part. LeBron uh, plays for the Lakers
2: as well. They so. don't even want the Chargers. That's the funny and thing. They don't even want don't the even Chargers, want and them. they're
1: still good, man. Give them to us. We'll take them. We'll adopt the Chargers. Seriously, how many Portland, Portland uh, residents right now will become –
2: Diehard Charger fans if they moved here today. Just think about how much Philip Rivers talk you would get to do. Like man, how much so- you get to how much you get to hate on Philip Rivers every single day.
1: Man, I love Philip Rivers and I love the fact that he trash talks without having a curse. Okay. Coming up next, man. We're going to talk some Saints and how pissed should they be after last week's quote unquote no call. We'll talk about that coming up next on the fan. <laughs>
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
1: 9-15 here on Sunday, January 27th. Actually, my younger brother's birthday. So, 33. Yeah, super old. Get, uh, getting up there. Getting up there, man. Uh, he actually passed when I was 10, 13. And so, yeah, it's one of those things. Kind of go just try to celebrate it with my mom when, I, when I'm able to. So always a, always a good day, though. So uh, the, some people that are still probably not having a great day uh, reside in New Orleans, which is, you know, crazy because if you've ever been in New Orleans, it's nothing but good times for the – well, in most places. It's nothing but good times in New Orleans. You don't want to get lost uh, in the projects nowhere over there. But in other places, man, it's awesome. But right now, it's real doom and gloom if you're the New Orleans Saints or you're the Saints fans right now. Now, mind you, I think it's important to put things into context for the Saints. Uh, This this year was supposed to be about redemption, right? The Saints, and we forget this, last year got all the way to the AFC Championship game, and then there was the big phantom tackle that didn't happen, uh, and Vikings win, and or excuse me, and Vikings get a chance to go to the um, AFC uh, NFC Championship game. Excuse me, that was in the uh, divisional round. So forgive me for that. But they were right there. The Saints, you know, had a chance to win, and then lost it on the last second. This year, uh, end of the game, we, uh, end of a, a really great game, but also a, a very chippy game. Uh, the game tied in 20 late in the fourth quarter, uh, and referees really kind of failed to call. A pass interference, man. Uh, DB from the Rams. What was his name? Uh, let me look this up.
2: Uh, Roby uh, Coleman. Roby
1: Coleman. Uh, that was just he. <laughs> I mean, I get why he did it. Just because it's either you uh, let him catch the ball, and he's just going to walk in for a first or for a touchdown. Because that was pretty much what was going to happen. Once he caught the ball, he was just going to pretty much walk in for a first down. So he had to do something, uh, and in this case, it worked and Saints lose. Saints are asking for Goodell to step in. Actually, uh, Benjamin Watson penned a – or not penned, but went to Twitter and uh, gave a very uh, open and honest opinion about how he feels things should go. And we haven't heard anything from Roger Goodell or the front office. Now, we do know that the NFL is looking into uh, reviewing pass interference calls, which I think is a great thing, you know, just because sometimes – it wasn't necessarily pass interference. It was really great defense. But this is an imperfect game played by imperfect players, You know, called by imperfect rep. People are going to miss things. So things are going to happen. So I totally, totally understand why Saints fans are so upset. Uh, but Jesse and I were having a conversation before the show started. And I'll be real, he might not think it, but I tend to agree with what he was saying in the fact that really what a lot of people were saying is that really in that game, Sean McVay outcoached Sean Payton. That's just kind of how it went. There were a, a lot of times in between there that it looked like McVay just kind of had the the upper hand. There was always uh, a counter move to everything Sean Payton had decided to do. Why? You know, Jesse bought up, you know, not decided not to run the ball, you know, up the gut on, on, third, on third and short. And instead, he tried to decide to throw it you know, incomplete pass. It was just there were a lot of decisions made there by Sean Payton that you could look at that and say, "Okay, well, that could be why they lost." But I still don't think the referee should have missed that pass interference call. The Saints should have won that game. I totally understand. You could be out-coached and still lose a game. It's it's happened before. Yeah, and Des Bryant should have caught that ball. That was a catch. I mean, <laughs> it 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 was. And think about this. That changed the trajectory of Dez's entire career. Like Dez makes that catch and you know he's still regarded as one of the uh one of the more clutch receivers that you have in the league and you know just a year after that all of a sudden he's not dependable you know anymore so that's how those calls can kind of go for you
2: it it also kind of was a catalyst to help get the catch rule probably back where people wanted it more in uh, a reasonable manner of what a catch really is so So things like this, because you're talking about a game that is judged by humans on the field that make mistakes, the human element, as they like to say in sports, it takes things like this to make changes. So, you know, we've all, as fans, had to deal with horrible, unfortunate moments that could have been avoided if a ref would have done quote unquote their job. Um, Where in reality, if we were down there doing that job, it probably is a lot harder, especially, you know, we never talk about the fact that that environment could be a a big contributor and whether or not a ref can do their job properly as I, I could tell through the television, that place was intense. That was loud. It sounded like they were piping noise into there. Honestly, it was so loud Is that going to affect the way a ref referees or can referee or calls? I think it does call. I mean, think about it.
1: If you're let's, let's go ahead and look at the NBA, for example, you know, you can imagine that most referees are fans of the sport, right? They probably watch it when they're not there. They, in some cases, they probably had favorite players. they like to watch or like to, you know, whatever the case is. So you, you think about this when some, and one calls, right? like an and-one dunk or something like that. You don't think there's a little bit of a referee that's – we don't see it very often, but it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, great dunk or something like You know, I think that happens. You know, as fans, you kind of get lost in in certain things as well. This is one of those things, though, that's kind of missed. It's almost like a how could you not call that flagrant foul? That was clearly – Yes. It's like not only did you not call – It's the, egregious. It's not only did you not call the foul, but he should have been ejected for that for that foul type thing. So this is one of those – that was one of those pass interferences. It was like, man, that was, that was almost – Blatant. And if we saw it on eight, uh, on 4K or, you know, HD or whatever, like I can imagine standing 10 feet away from him and like, oh, yeah, that was clean. Like I don't I don't get it. Now we got the benefit of replay and some of those things. And so you can kind of see it from different angles like, ooh. But at the time, you should still be able to see that, man, You they catch the smallest things. He tugged on his jersey just as he turned up field, and that's a holding. You mean to tell me you can call that from 15 feet away, but you couldn't call that pass interference that happened
2: literally – within millimeters of it. that's the thing though. Like, especially in in both games, honestly, they weren't calling those tugs on the Jersey. And so that's one of those things as well, where I believe, um, the ref in the moment also is very worried about, I don't want this flag to change the outcome of the game. Now, the funny thing is by not throwing the, the flag, you do the exact same thing. You're just, it, you, you understand what I'm saying? It seems I in my mind, I, I feel like, cause you always hear that. Oh man, you just got to sometimes swallow that flag and let them play. Um, you don't want to be in the end of the game. The reason why a team lost, but in reality, if you swallow the flag, what you're might be doing is you're just choosing one team over the other. You might be doing it unconsciously, but you know, throughout the game, the one thing we'll be saying is they were let them play very physically. They weren't calling very many, um, pass interference calls or illegal um, uh, touching downfield. There was just uh, a very, very physical game, which is I think the brand of football people really enjoy to watch. Now, the problem there's there's two problems for me on this play: is one, it was an egregious no call, and two, Roby Coleman, all he had to do was look back, and he would have honestly had an interception on the play. <laughs> probably, probably. So, so it's like. It's it's one of those things if you you could have ended it there cleanly if you were playing the position correctly as opposed to just trying to play it too physically. And then two, yes, the the um the ref should have called that play. Now now one thing I will say is that um is that as much as I do think that was an egregious no call and that very much changed you know the outcome of of that game, I'm I'm one of those people that believe it that you don't ever leave a game into one call. So if you're going to blame a loss on one call, you didn't do enough to actually win that game. In the, in this reality is Drew Brees got the ball the first time out. We all know you go down, you score a touchdown, game over, right? Like we saw with the New England Patriots this last weekend. So, uh, Drew Brees didn't do that.
1: So yeah, we got a we got a couple texts here on the uh, Better You Today text line. Uh, one of our P ones, uh, Breeze needs to go to the Fav route. Don't play at all in September. The de- defensive book is out on Breeze. Uh, he's tired after November. Breeze is an older guy, you know, and I think a lot. And you've seen uh, he didn't throw his usual 5,000 yards this year. Uh, they were much shorter routes, you know, just really trying to protect uh, the the older. Uh, statesman and then the elder statesman and then you, you can kind of say the same thing for New England you know you look at Brady people say he's been down but he's really just been saving himself for uh this amazing playoff run that that he's been on uh so far but yeah Breeze, you can tell things are a little different he's a little banged up you know he's used to being uh hurt at, at different points so it's it's just a you you see two different guys and really how they've had to carry their franchises Brady hasn't really had to do as much offensively because he's been gifted with, with really better talent. You know, And there was a long time that we said Jimmy Graham was better than G- or Gronkowski, or at least on par with Gronkowski. And then Jimmy Graham turned out to be just a product of how good, uh, drew Brees really was. So Brees has kind of had to do a lot more to carry guys, you know, Brady over the past few years. And that was something Brady had to say for a long time. It's like he had to carry a team. And I think that's kind of changed. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Drew Brees is kind of at that point to where I don't know how much longer he'll be able to be that guy. We've been talking a lot about Brady and his forty-one, and he's not going to be able to we. We haven't really said that for Drew. Have you noticed that? Nobody's really said that about Drew Brees.
2: No, that's been my. It's been my fantasy take though for a couple of years, like that. Basically, he's untouchable to me, even though like the last couple of years he's been pretty good. This year he was okay. Um, he was really good at moments, but he trailed off in the second half and um he's smaller he had that shoulder problem earlier in his career um he got hurt again not too long ago for a little bit and he's just um he's older like you said and what I what I see with New England I think is quite amazing because um you know they have like like Belichick came back he's like all right well you're right we we have the the foundation's starting to crumble a little bit here with Tom Brady's getting a little older, arms not quite as powerful. We're gonna go and we're gonna amp up that run game. When got Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle's legit run in there, you know. And now they're running it like I was. I you got to the point you're like wondering where the heck did Sony Michelle go in that game late because, well, they started running Rex Burkhead and you know James White super involved and, well, he had like twenty something carries in that game so. They just, they run the ball so much now, which allows Brady to do things like play action or keep himself safe for the end of the game when he needs to rally on three third down and tens, you know, it's just, um, whereas they really leaned a lot on, on Drew Brees, which is kind of ironic considering the talent they have to run the ball with, but. Um, there in the end, I think they kind of went the opposite direction as opposed to really leaning on the run game. They started leaning more on Drew Brees. Uh,
1: a couple texts on the Better You Today text line before we get out of here. Uh, I only got to watch the Rams-Saints for a first hour because I had to work. Uh, my perspective of the game was Saints blue opportunities. Drop touchdowns, stymied in the red zone, uh, and the Hecker fake punt uh, was pretty bad. You know, that, that kind of – that was – I think that was the worst play of the game. The fake punt might have been – kind of what what did the men you know Loki, but you know i digress uh after heckers first down the saints furiously backpedaled on defense then the offense caved. also true you know they they i'm not sure what the defense was the defense was trying not to get scored on and when you're trying not to get scored on as opposed to trying to stop you know the offense it, it was much different and uh, prevent winning or prevent defenses prevent winning yeah and, and that's and that's exactly uh kind it was. Well, well, one team that definitely knows how to uh, prevent other teams from winning and continue to make it to the Super Bowl did it one more time. We keep talking about it, how the hell the Patriots keep ending up in this position. We're going to talk about that next on The Fan. first, Jesse, at yes, SportsCenter.
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
1: Nine thirty-three. Uh, beautiful Portland Sunday morning. Uh, I mean, because it's not—it's not ugly outside, you know. But this—this can—this weather can be kind of nice, you know. Just—it's kind of nice. chill, you yeah, know. Sure. There's just a, a little bit of fog, you know, kind of over everything. This is—this is typical Oregon weather, you know, without the rain. I can take this though. Like I—I
2: I w- I would be okay with this without the rain. I think that would be fine. The rain is the killer. You mix the rain, the wind, and it makes for a miserable, miserable time. And so. we've talked about it quite often. Yeah. It's one of the most depressing mm. places that you can live just
1: uh, based on the rain. If you kind of have a pessimistic view like that, I look at it a little bit different.
2: Well, it's this perfect uh, like, melting pot of, of things that are happening this time of year. You, you have rain, you have the wind, and then let's say you go to work at, you know, you do the normal nine to five, right? So you go to work and it's just getting light out. Right. So then you leave work and guess what? It's either turning, you know, it's, it's going, um, dusk or it's already dark. And so you're going, I never see the light of day for like three months. You never see the light of day. And I think that's why we talk, you know, we end up talking weather so much on the show just because we have two big
1: ass windows. You know, there's one in in you know, in the studio, and there's uh, one in the production booth, and you know, you can really just see. It. And the out the outlook is at the Willamette River, or the Willamette, as they continue to you know say. I don't think it's you know that, that was CJ's. That was CJ. Yeah, CJ, Willamette, Willamette, yeah. But so we constantly look out there, and you see like, man, this is it's a nice day, or man, this is a crappy day. And it's real easy to say. So we always talk about it, just because it's right in front of us. In my office, it's no windows. It's just you know walls so it's a little frustrating uh, speaking of frustrating the rest of the country uh, in which most of the country hates the New England Patriots well, meta. <laughs> Jeez, CJ uh, smart guy you know he just said it wrong it <laughs> happens you know you're not from here you know it, it happens we love you anyway CJ and we appreciate the triple double last night man um, the Patriots continue to find themselves in a position to compete for a Super Bowl now Last year, again, like I said earlier in the show, I had a had a, have a coworker that was just kind of couldn't wait to tell me how the run was over. It's it, you know, after the Brady Guerrero uh, Belichick situation, there's no way these guys can work together. And a lot of this season, man, it looked like he was right. I'll be real, the Patriots didn't have an awesome season. Um, they drop a game to, I want to say it was it was the Dolphins. Um, and then they dropped the heartbreaker to, to the Dolphins that, that
2: could have been uh, the clincher of the AFC. Well, and, you know, and you first... throw Gronk in there on defense as a defensive back. What do you expect? And, and
1: really, and honestly, mo- one of the most nimble big men that we've ever seen, really, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Rob Gronkowski. As far as big men that could block the way they could block, that could run and catch and, you know, and really make plays after the catch. Like, how many tight ends can you honestly say have done that? I can think of one. Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates at his very, very best. You know what I mean? But outside of that – or Kellen Winslow, excuse me. You know, the Kellen Winslow senior. Not the Miami Kellen Winslow, but him too. But there are a few guys that were able to do that for an extended uh, period of time. And it's just crazy to look at the fact that this team uh, losing Josh Gordon – Having the issues with you know with Brady and Belichick, or the quote unquote issues—I'm using the quote fingers just to say that—with uh, Brady and Belichick, Josh McDaniels being the you know the kind of the, the offensive mind waiting for his opportunity to, to be the head guy, losing Matt Patricia, defense not being awesome, and yet and still, they were the team that beat the Chiefs twice this year—once at their home, once at Arrowhead—and now they're on their way back to what I think is Brady's ninth. Super Bowl? Ninth. Eight, ninth Super Bowl? Ninth. How do, they, how do these dudes keep doing it? Now, the first thing people will tell you is, well, you look at the division that they're playing. Okay, well, that's six wins. Let's just say they just win their division and don't win any other games. That's six games. The Patriots every year have what the NFL calls a winning schedule. So every year they play teams that were had a winning record in the NFL. So this year they played the Jaguars. They played the Steelers they played the they played the texans they played all the teams that were supposed to be very good and last year were very good and for the most part they're still they still won their division or excuse me they got, they, they they still won their division they clearly got second in the afc and now they're on their way back to what's now brady's ninth super bowl but the overall 10th for the new england
2: patriots no the the division wins just make it when, when you have that many easy wins in a tough sport like the NFL, uh, it just makes it easier for you to get that 1-2 seed. And as we all know, up until this season, Brady's always needed that home field advantage in the playoffs in order to make it to the Super Bowl. This is the first time he's made it without winning a game at home field. So, I mean, that's where that comes in. But I, I also believe that is overly exaggerated you have to win all the games on your schedule I, I look at a team this year and you know as as much hubris as bill belichick has he is also one of those guys that doesn't force a square peg into a round hole and so he looks at he looks at every game every week as a new math equation and it the same equation doesn't fit every problem, does it? No. No. As we all know from math, you have to learn a lot of different equations, a lot of different methods, and how you find out what X is and how you find out what Y is and all this jazz. Like, Bill Belichick changes the formula every week to adapt to the team that he is playing. Oh, So many, so many coaches refuse to do that. They just force that square peg into the round hole. We're going to do it my way. And Bill Belichick is the quintessential guy that's going to do it. We're going to do it the way that gets the W. And so that is probably the number one advantage next to Tom Brady, obviously, being that he's probably going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, you put those two together, it's the mad scientist with, you know, with the, um, with the ray gun.
1: Bill Belichick, of course, needs one more. A championship to be considered the very best coach of all time. Of course, only he, uh, Vince Lombardi, and George Halas have uh, five Super Bowl rings. So this would make Belichick unquestionably uh, the number one coach uh, of all time. But how it's it's all worked behind two guys, three guys, you know, and because I, I don't think we give Robert Kraft enough credit, you know, because because think about this. You look at all the the franchises that have um, marginal success, but they're supposed to be these, you know, these juggernauts. Man, the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones can't get out of his own way. Jerry Jones, a lot of times, you know, just won't let the coaches coach and the players play. Like he's one of the, he wants to be incredibly hands on in everything he does. I wasn't mad at uh, Robert Kraft for calling the shot with Brady. I wasn't. I really wasn't because I understood because Robert Kraft sat by and he let Belichick make every decision. About the Patriots organization he wanted to I'm gonna get rid of Ty law okay I'm gonna get rid of really William against okay you know I'm gonna get rid of uh, uh, uh any any great defensive player offensive player that's kind of come in you know Randy Moss we're gonna go ahead and let him go <sighs> we had our best season ever offensively with Randy but all right man Brady's the one dude who said no I can't let you do that like he's he's our franchise and you look at what happened to Joe Montana and granted Montana went off and had some success in Kansas City but You know, we don't see any Kansas City, Joe Montana highlights. We see only San Francisco highlights. And Brady is one of those guys, much like Kobe, that should be, man, with that one franchise. Jordan kind of ruined it. When Jordan went to the Wizards, yeah, he was good. He was—he wasn't the Jordan we remember, but we don't see many Wizards highlights from Jordan. He had some good ones though. So he had some great highlights. The—the the one where he took the ball off the backboard when you know with two hands when he was—that was a—that was, was an awesome play. That was the best probably defensive Jordan play I've ever seen. We don't see that in his highlight package though, because no one cares about Wizards Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like no one cares about uh, Redskins Donovan McNabb. You know they—they they, they care about or 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 Philly Michael Vick. You know what I'm saying? Like no one cares about those
2: guys. No, it, it would it would take a special little run of tom brady being somewhere else for that to matter you know um if if peyton manning hadn't gone to two super bowls and won one in denver it would have just been indie peyton manning denver would have just been a footnote but if you go somewhere you have success that's a different story
1: so uh thank you tex police here on the Better you today, text line. Yeah, Shannon Sharp wasn't very athletic for 15 years. Shannon Sharp was my guy. Hey, you know, players mess up. And I forgot about my guy, Shannon Sharp, who probably has – I I love his sports takes, man. Shannon Shannon Sharp is my – that's my guy. He's on these miles and that yak. And that's exactly what I was on when the the Patriots won uh, the other day. And I was waiting for phone calls uh, because I was getting a lot of them when uh, Kansas City was coming back. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does, and he led his team down the field. And <laughs> that's when then black and milds came out, a little bit of makers, and I was waiting for, for phone calls. But those never came. People didn't want to call me. I don't, I don't know why.
2: I'll tell you what, though. The the Patriots, you know, you, you see the cracks. I I mean, I, you, Gronk doesn't quite look the same, right? Like, like you just get like, – you don't have an outside receiver. You're still, you're, you, you know, you're still making things happen with, with just these weird cast off pieces like Cordell Patterson, Um, you know, Brady's arm, not quite what it used to be, but it just kind of seems like they keep smearing plaster all over those cracks, all over those cracks and they keep going. So I'm curious to see what happens next year. It's going to be really exciting because there there's one thing that you can say you, you can't really bet against the Patriots.
1: I mean, you you can't, you know, and it, almost to the fact that you're almost surprised when they don't win. You're surprised and Philly walks away with the Super Bowl. You're surprised when the Giants did it twice. So it's kind of one of those things. So you can't bet against them, but I totally understand uh, why people do. Okay, coming up next, man. Season's wrapping up. Next week is officially the last game of the NFL season. A couple takeaways uh, from the NFL season. Did we like it? Was it what we were expecting? Is it better than we remember last year being we're going to talk about that next right here on the fan football sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan football sunday with rashad and jesse mike in denver hopefully he's having a great time having some uh rocky mountain oysters
2: yeah some coors light yeah you ever
1: had a rocky mountain
2: oyster no yeah I don't, I don't do oysters
1: they're not really oysters
2: oh well then. they're uh i
1: think they're bull
2: testes oh no no oh no 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 yeah definitely not doing what would that. it take
1: for you to try a bull testy i
2: i don't know i mean it probably i just
1: not interested <laughs> Okay, but well, let's let's put some let's put a mon- you know some uh, you know monetary value on it. So let's say you know, name your price really. What what would it take for you to honestly eat them? I heard they're not bad, but I still
2: don't want it. So I'm sure it's fine. I don't know. I mean, you know, once again, you're, you're probably eating something that's not horrible. It's 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 the the mental thought of what you're eating. I don't know. Pro- you could probably be like, "I'll buy that for you and give you 20 bucks." I'm sure yeah, I so, know. I mean, it wouldn't take much. It's just it's nothing I'm ever going to eat because nobody's going to offer me 20 bucks yeah. to eat a bowl. I'm not as easy.
1: I just don't put stuff in my mouth for 20 bucks, man.
2: Whatever. it's not going to be gross. Yeah, well,
1: it, it could be it could be awful. And, you know, I don't know. It just seems you know, what, like whatever. I what, it.
2: What's your what? A what, hundred bucks? $1, Thousand dollars? What What is it going to take for you to be sticking a a Rocky Mountain oyster down your, your gullet? It'd have to be at least a hundred. I, I thought about the hundred kind of being that mark, but I mean who's gonna offer somebody a hundred bucks to eat a Rocky Mountain Oyster? I don't know. Somebody with a hundred bucks
1: to spare. I don't know. Uh, who wants to see somebody. Okay, well eat a Rocky I want to hang Oyster. out with
2: that person on a regular basis. You yeah. know what I'm saying?
1: Well, uh it's it's that time of year to where the season is waning all the way down, and here we are to the last two teams, the Patriots and the Rams, who we'll talk about a little bit a little bit later. How did you like this NFL season? So last year it was a lot of people a lot of people's eyes Martin controversy whether it was the protest or um what what else was was last year um last year was the protest basically and yeah. uh, there were the ratings which i mean i don't know i don't think the three guys that protested four guys that protested really turned off that many people cuz they don't even, they weren't all from the same team but that's that's just me um but last year, it just seems like everybody was kind of over the NFL. But yet, ratings were as high as they could have ever been. So, I don't really believe that people were really not paying attention to the NFL. You know, and this year, they were even higher than that. What did you think of this season, man? I mean, was it was it what you expected? I mean, looking back, as far as all the teams that we predicted to win the Super Bowl or to make it to the playoffs, I wasn't that far off. The Texans, I had the Texans as a team that could go to the Super Bowl, um, they made the playoffs, so I wasn't bad there. I had the Saints actually as the team to make it to the Super Bowl. I messed up there, but they did make it to the championship game. Uh, Patriots playing in the Super Bowl. I didn't have them going this year, but they're they're there anyway. So for the most part, the season went how I thought it was supposed
2: to go. I I think for the most part, yeah, it, it went the way it was supposed to go. I. Um, it was kind of a curious season in the respect of uh, offense. I think, I think there was a lot more offense this year. Um, it, and it led people to, I, I think the, the, I, the falsehood idea, ideology that, um, defense in the running game is dead. And, um, I, I, I just think, that regular season football is a different animal than postseason football, and one of the things that they're doing to help keep those ratings up is give you a little bit more offense. And, um, you know, some of that stuff that they do in the regular season doesn't seem to work in the in the postseason. And so, I think it was a really entertaining regular season, but I thought it brought a lot. It bred a lot of falsehoods about the state of the game and where it's going as far as the way it's played.
1: Uh. Oh couple surprises, you know, from the season. Uh, there there are were, there were a few things I was relatively surprised with, and uh, the first of which being uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I thought they were going to be just kind of a middle-of-the-road, mediocre team, and for the first part of the season, that's exactly what they look like, you know, just a, a pedestrian uh, type of team, you know, losses to Washington, losses to the Titans, you know, both teams kind of a middle, middling team, and that was before I think Alex Smith uh, went down with injury. Uh, lost the Texans, and the Texans are a good team. But they started the season three and five, and it looked like it was it was over before the season really got going. And then from there, they run off five straight uh, against It was the nine weight. straight. Nine, was it nine? Straight? Nine straight. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they run off, uh, well, nine straight in between there with uh, wins against uh, the Eagles, you know, who they beat twice and then wins against the the Saints and the Falcons and so they beat some quality teams in between there and kind of had everyone thinking a little bit differently. Dak Prescott went from just being like a a disappointment of a quarterback to you got a pretty pretty good young quarterback here. Now mind you, is that going to make all those Tony Romo type throws? No. And that's kind of the bad thing. Like if Dak Prescott had taken over for Let's say if he had to take over for uh Brock Osweiler, everybody would say how much of an upgrade this was for the Cowboys. But the fact is he's coming in after Tony Romo, who is just number one, broadcasting gold, but number two, man, Tony Romo was a pinpoint accurate quarterback who could get out of the pocket and make a whole thing a whole lot of things happen, you know, for his franchise. And now all of a sudden, you know, Dak can't really do those things. You know, Dak is not gonna throw you open the way Romo used to do. And I think a lot of people see that and there's a little resentment there. And there's from especially from Cowboy fans, but you know, already Dak is taking you to the playoffs, what, two of his three years as the starting quarterback of the Cowboys? How many years did Romo get them to the playoffs? Was it how many? Three or four?
2: Yeah, it was. (laughs) And he's already
1: (laughs) done that. He's already done it twice, you know, in his three years. So you can say what you want to about him not being as, you know, as accurate or, you know, just not having the heart that Romo had, man, Dak Prescott can play some football and he's learning more and more and the fact is he's never going to be probably never going to be a guy that's going to throw 35 touchdowns. That's just not his game. But we said the same thing about Russell Wilson. He's never going to be a guy that's going to be able to throw 30, 32 touchdowns and then you look at the phenomenal season that he's had.
2: Yeah, no, Dak is an interesting one because You are, you're looking at Dallas and, and Dallas being, you know, they love that moniker America's favorite team. They're, they're in Dallas. They're like basically the um, uh, top rated franchise uh, to go out there and try to buy. So Jerry Jones is out there um, doing his thing and, and they, they want, a Tom Brady they want a Aaron Rodgers there and they're not content with a guy that um, is a good football player and that's that's what Dak Prescott is right now he's a good football player that look what happened once you got him a good receiver in Amari Cooper a legit guy that can be a legit number one um, as opposed to trying to force Allen Hearns as your number one or is it or, or trying to make Michael Gallup, your number one, or, you know, that there's just, th- you, you lost his, his number one receiver and Jason Witten. And, and he still yet found a way to get the team to the playoffs. You know, it, this team is built not around Dak though. It's not built around Dak. Dak's not meant to be the guy that runs this engine. He's supposed to be a compliment to the engine and the engine is Zeke Elliott and that's not necessarily going to always be the case. We saw that with, once again, Russell Wilson in the beginning of his career. Russell Wilson was not the engine. He was a component to the engine. The engine was Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, what, eventually aged, went away, and we saw Russell Wilson evolve. We've already seen Dak Prescott evolve into a better quarterback. We've seen it. He's he's, he's making the progression into being a better pocket passer. He's, he's making smarter decisions with his legs. And I think... When you see, you know, eventually we're going to see Zeke go away sooner rather than later because while well, he's a running back, you know, you'll probably see him take a more prominent role once well, Zeke starts aging. I think, so. I, think I, mean, I, that, I think. that
1: used to be true, but then we look around at the league and some of the guys have had some success even, you know, after some injuries. You know, you look at Shady McCoy and the fact that he's still able to be a, a viable, you know, part of a, of a team. You look at, uh, obviously, L'Avian Bell, whose mind is, mind you, had some seasons off. Uh, where he hasn't done that, but I think running back is one of those positions to where, you know, guys are they're able to play the position uh, a, a little bit longer than we're used uh, to seeing. Um, one more team that I was surprised with, and uh, really for all the wrong reasons, and it was, man, John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. Like, I get, I totally understand that you you want to make the the team in, in your image, and, and I, I understand that, but in doing so, you're giving away what could considered to be what could be considered cornerstones of franchises, like you gave away Amari Cooper. And what do you know, man? Amari Cooper, you just said he has a number one receiver. Were we calling Amari Cooper? Were you calling Amari Cooper a number one receiver when he was in Oakland?
2: Oh, no. I, I I think everybody knew he was a number one, but for some reason he wasn't playing as a number one. Whether that being his fault or whether that being the quarterback fault, I don't know. But I think it's funny that now when you look at mock drafts. They go, oh, we need a, like one of their number one picks that they got in the trade is supposed to be used on a wide receiver. You just had a number one wide receiver who is literally experienced and can come out and play as a number one this year, well, next year, the year after, and, and he's go. young. And, and they let him go. And then
1: you you look around and it's probably going to be happening to Derek Carr pretty soon. You know, they're gonna figure out a way to cut bait with Derek Carr. Derek Carr, who. Uh, led his team to the playoffs. Uh, the first year, at the Raiders were incredibly competitive again. Actually, made Marshawn Lynch want to go play back at home and 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 suit up in the the black and silver. You know, but they're going to get rid of him. And of course, the the one trade that really shook up the NFC, it was. It's still it's still ridiculous, to even say that they traded Khalil Mack, for what, like for somebody who could potentially be. An all-pro NFL player. You and, traded. And guess what a what? Surefire all-pro NFL player. You traded arguably the next
2: Lawrence Taylor. And, and they're expecting that they're going to use that pick on what? An edge rusher. And 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 mind you, is was there a better player? If you're moving to Las Vegas,
1: Sin City, man, you build around those three guys. Man, you put. I, I can see it already. The billboard with Khalil Mack and and Amari Cooper. And Derek, Car- man, that's 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 everywhere in Vegas with that black and silver. And you just gave him away. What could be considered the most fearsome defensive player in the league, the only person to ever make all pro, not pro bowl, all pro at two different positions on defense. You just gave him away. So I really hope John Gruden and uh, the guy with the Lloyd Christmas haircut get everything figured out because uh, right now uh, things look pretty bleak. And I have a few family members that are Raiders fans and they don't even know what's happening. So a couple texts here on the A Better You Today text line before we get out of here. I thought the Dolphins, Lions, Jaguars, Titans, and Bills would be better bad teams than they were. Not surprised Keenum sucked, but surprised Kirk Cousins did. I think a lot of us are surprised the Cousins didn't have an awesome season, but I think it's important to look at everything with Kirk
2: Cousins. That's where I was going to go. One, the Jaguars. I think they were super disappointing this year. It was it was sad to see them take a step back, and I think that, once again, went back to culture struggles that I thought um, Tom Coughlin had come in and changed last year. Uh, and the other was Kirk Cousins. And, and it's not that Kirk Cousins was an awful quarterback this year. It's that he did what Kirk Cousins has done in the past, and that's in big moments. He failed to get his team, the W, and you thought with all this talent, with the, all the talent on defense, all the talent on offense, that he would be able to um, put those moments behind him, but yet again lived up to the moment of he can't win the big game. So that was that was the other one that was kind of dis- disappointing as well.
1: All right, coming up from disappointments to, man, overall, congratulations, man. Uh, we're going to talk about everybody's new favorite player, Patrick Mahomes. That's coming up next right here on the fan.